Thank you for joining us for Under the Water Tower, a ministry of Fellowship Baptist located under the city water tower on Mormon Mill Road in beautiful Marble Falls, Texas. We don't just love the Bible, we love talking about the Bible and talking about how the Bible informs our life in this world. Recording here in the sanctuary with me are... Joni Wallach, Misty Graham, Daryl Fishbeck. He's the producer, by the way. Daryl Fishbeck, the Go, producer. Go, Daryl. Go, Daryl. And, uh, and I'm Jamie Greening. Uh, fish Tank Productions. Fish Tank <laughs> Productions. Did you have or fish? Or Fish Bowl, maybe Fish, fish Bowl. bowl. Fish Bowl, that's kind of cool. Um, do, you, do you have fish? No. No? Have I'm, you ever, shocked. Have you I'm surprised I am he doesn't. Have you ever had fish? Yes. Like what kind of fish did you have? Um, well, I said little goldfish and stuff. I had them in college, and I went through about one a week because I kept getting the like cheap ones, and they kept dying on me. I don't think their survival rate <laughs> is related to the price well, tag on the fish. I think that's the care. The the dollar fifty ones lasted a little longer. So. <laughs> probably, Walmart, probably. the ones from Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> <The> dollar, <laughs> I don't think a dollar store sells goldfish. Uh, is that your pastoral ministry approach to food? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So we've got some fun stuff to talk about. Uh, lots going on in our tests today. Uh, who wants to read for us? We've got Colossians 3, and we're going to take 4, excuse me, 318 through um, 4 1. Uh, who wants to take those fours? Joni? Oh, I haven't read in a while. Uh, Is that all right? You yeah. go for oh, it. You shoot that thing out there. Was, I was stepping on someone else's. Well, we all turned around to look because someone drove up, and we were looking to see. It's I a, think it's Aubrey. He, he usually shows up right about the time we a, start recording. It's, so. a, it's a normal occasion we for may, us to have to stop. We may just 17. have to leave him in a recording one time and just add some... <laughs> Excitement. Uh, I've Aubrey. heard podcasts with dogs barking and things like that, so why not have, here comes Aubrey. Aubrey, because we can't censor that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where were we? You're supposed, <laughs> you're supposed to be reading the Bible right Okay, now. I'm going to read Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 1. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, Amen. love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Can I get yeah, an amen harsh. from? Okay, there we are. There's the key word. <laughs> Children, obey your parents amen. in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Bell, if you're listening Chelsea. to this, if you're listening to this, Bell, uh, and and Phoebe's verse twenty should be your life verse. And verse twenty-one. <laughs> is this real? Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. What translation are you mm. reading? Yes. That's not the ESV. ESV. Yeah, it's that's not. what I have. That's what I have, too. What's wrong with your Bible, what? Jamie? What do you have? What are you reading? They have made some changes. I saw you look over here. And yeah. I was like, it's ESV. Two, 2016. I, well, no, that's, well yeah. that's the problem, because 2016. Nothing good happened after that. Wow. Uh, the, uh, you went there. 
<laughs> Already. The, the uh, well, the ESV should say slaves. That's an inner. That's a good place to start with okay. because uh, it read just like mine. But then everywhere where it came to uh, uh, everywhere, it should say slaves. Yours says bond servant. Um, that's fascinating. That's interesting. Um, so how does, I mean, that's, what's the original language? It's, uh, let's see. I'm there. Let's see. So we get to uh, verse 22. It's douloi. It's doulos. So um, it's slave. Slave would be a more, I think, authentic rendering. Let's play for just a minute. Why would they clean that up into bondservant? Well, one slave in that context was different from slave in ours. And slave, well, that's true, but it's still a slave. It's still a slave, but obviously slave now is a very divisive um, um, topic and issue in our culture. Um, in 2016, our, maybe? Be, huh? Because of our history. Hmm. Um, Do you, now, you're, not, and you're not insinuating that politics and ideology and worldview affect the way we translate even the actual meaning of words in scripture? I believe so. Mm -hmm. I believe I'm saying that a lot. (laughs) Wow. Bondservant. Bondservant sounds nicer. Why that word? Why bondservant? What does that word mean that it's different? (laughs) Well, I know, but I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean, the connotation to when we hear slaves and we think of America and African-Americans being forced into slavery versus biblical slavery. Yeah, we're just jumping right into the... I'm, well, you pulled it out, so let's go for Well, you started it by reading that aberrant text. <laughs> 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 so why, you, you want the word slaves. What's the value of keeping the word slaves in that context? Because I think that Paul, Paul will use that same word to describe his relationship with Jesus. I right. am a mm-hmm. slave of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and that means you have a definite master-servant relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, servant, I could have worked because um, it, it carries with it too, but that's different than diakonos, which is a, usually used in uh, a Christian ministry kind of way. Um, that, I, I'm, I'm just kind of, those of you listening, I'm blown away because I've been using the ESV for a long time, and that's the first time I've caught that update because mine... Is like a first gen. I got the, the first iPhone ESV going over here, the first generation. Because when it first came out, I was all over the ESV. But see, mine is 2007. So this is the grandpapa of yours. That's, does your, Misty's got a hard Bible here. Mine says bond servant. Yours says bond. Mm-hmm. What's the copyright date on yours? No. Maybe I'm like in the dark ages. Let's here. look, shall we? Uh, if it says copyright 50 AD, you know, it's wrong. <laughs> 2008. So I missed it by one year. You did, because mm-hmm. mine's 2011. It's it's also bonds. Wow. Which makes sense. So thanks, interesting. thanks to um, technology and... Are you Googling right now? Google. Do it. Do so it. You're, do so it. Those of you, Daryl's that guy. You know that guy or that woman in your small group when you're having your small group and the, the facilitator's leading it, and someone's in the corner fact-checking the whole time, that's Daryl. Well, this isn't fact-checking. This is curiosity-seeking, and there's an article that says, when the ESV Translation Oversight Committee met in the summer of 2010, 
at Tyndale House in Cambridge, England. The BBC stopped by to film it. There's actually a YouTube film a segment on the discussion of how best to translate the Hebrew word ebed and the Greek word doulos. Uh-huh. Du- doulos, that's in Shrek, isn't it? What's, isn't that the name of the town? You went from, sorry. <laughs> you went from BBC <laughs> to, to no house in about two seconds. to Shrek. I mean, <laughs> now you understand my brain a little better. All right. Uh, it was a fascinating discussion <laughs> of lexicography, biblical theology, ancient culture, and modern culture. The four-minute clip condenses hours of discussion based on hundreds of hours of research. So there was obviously a, a, a quite a lengthy issue um not too lengthy it was only a four minute clip well <laughs> the, what is it? hours of discussion but so that particular that particular word did they edit um was huh. um obviously debated on why and when that's and they chose that's when they chose to change it i'm not a big fan of the change just being honest with you although i understand because you're right mm-hmm. but and let we, me just clarify the reason you see the value of it has to do with Paul's usage of the word in context, in context. of his relationship right. with Christ and other aspects. And as a translator of Scripture, although I'm nowhere, they'll never hire me to work for Crossway or Tyndall House, but as a translator of Scripture, I really try, if a word means something over here, sure. I try and translate mm-hmm. the same way somewhere else. The NIV is terrible about that, for example. Yeah. It, it'll translate mm-hmm. it over one here way. one way yep. and then over here a completely different rendering. Or just rendering. leave it out. Or not even <laughs> well, NIV. In and yeah. see, the nearly I, infallible yeah. version. That creates an interesting uh, conflict inside of me because Just and one? I'm, I'm assuming a lot here. But what it feels like is rather than invest time in saying, let's educate what the word means, slaves, the original word, do loss and the context of how it was used, because I think this verse here has probably been used in American history to actually mm-hmm. defend slavery. Oh, absolutely. Right. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. We can do it now. but that's Well, fine. I was just going to say, and so it's, it's almost like, well, let's change the word so it doesn't create conflict that we might have to have mm-hmm. hard conversations about. Um, let's just soften the word instead of educating the people. Because bond servant sounds more like um, an apprentice. Yeah, right, it can be right. can be interpreted that way, that kind of rather uh, than own the fact concept. that for many decades we took the original intent of the word wrong and twisted it, and even owning the fact that Americans uh, and Christians um, used it very abusively. Well, we're way off script, but let let's just this hammer in now on the slave. So. Uh, He's got one, two, three, four things before slaves. We'll come back around to those. Slaves was the fifth thing he talked about here uh, in these reciprocal relationships, right? These are all reciprocal relationships. So it's husbands and wives, parents and children, and then you get um, uh, slaves and masters. Uh, And he always starts with what you consider the weaker in the group, right? So it's first, it's wives. I don't mean that in a bad way, but just wives submit to your husbands. And then there's children and fathers, and then it's slaves and masters. Mm-hmm. So he, he starts with the weaker in this. Uh, and his emphasis is not so much upon rights, which we always, mm. it, I always get afraid when Christ followers come with what their rights are. It's my right. Well, no, Jesus you know, doesn't deal in rights. Um, 
He deals in your responsibilities. And so that's kind of where Paul's here, your responsibility as a husband or a wife or as a child. Uh, and so that's where he's at in, in that regard. So slave, how do we under... What's, when I say slave, Joan, you haven't said much since we started, <laughs> um, except 2008. I feel uh, like I derail us all the time. When, when I say slave, what's us. the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, actually, right now, human trafficking. What do you mean by that? Um, I just feel like I, I see, I can't even get my whole thoughts out. Um, I sh- there's a lot more, um, like that's coming to the surface more. People are figuring it out more. I feel like it's been an issue for a long time. Who are the biggest targets of human trafficking? Um, probably f- people who are uh, children that have been neglected. Neglected, abused, runaways—that's right. the—that's the classic stereotype. Where they haven't had—I'm thinking, you know—they didn't have this children-parent relationship. They didn't have—they didn't grow up in a family like that. Um, so, would you tell someone, let's say, let's invent a case? Now we're just probing here, but let's invent a, a scenario where you have a nine-year-old girl who's been um, abducted. Or maybe groomed is a better word. Because mm-hmm. we always think about abducted and taken to another country, but it, it usually happens under our noses. So you have a nine-year-old girl, and this is this is very seedy, who's been groomed and is now being forced to do horrible, horrible things. Mm-hmm. Would you pull out Paul's words and say, you're a slave, you should obey your pimp? No. No, so, that's so, why it's so conflicting me. So is Paul wrong? No. I, that's just why it's con- conflicting me. Not he's not wrong there, but then if you think about like if you go back to wives and husbands, like husbands that mistreat their wives, um, like it's not a you submit, but then there's no, there's there's responsibility on the other end. Okay, we're not to hubs, husbands and wives. I know, yet. but You're, I'm just thinking because uh, that's a whole other thing. It's similar, but it's a whole other thing. Just why? Why was why does this not apply to the nine-year-old girl who should not obey her pimp, her master? I don't know, but I know it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It absolutely doesn't. Because but why? Masters treat your bondservants justly. Slaves. Sla- slaves justly. <laughs> but um. It's gonna be that way today. So. Well, okay. well, help us understand what biblical so, slaves were then. Now, you help me understand okay. why. Well, why? my best understanding of it is, is it's, it's, it's more of a mutual agreement. It could be a, a, a debt. You're paying back a debt. Um, it could be, you know, uh, a mutually agreed upon thing where you're willingly going into it. And if you're going to compare Paul's use of the word slave to Christ, that's a, that's a, I'm surrendering myself to this position. Whereas the sex trafficking or slave, American slaves, uh, they were forced into it. Um, uh, slaves a thousand, uh, 2,000 years ago were forced into it as well often. It was very rarely a voluntary situation, very rarely. Well, In I mean, fact, most slaves came from military conquest. Hmm. Uh, that was where a lot of them. In fact, uh, it's a, it's, it was a sociological problem for the Roman world as they conquered everything. Or their, their, their legions went out and wreaked havoc and they beat Greece and they beat the, um, the, the Turkish, what do you call it, Turkey now and North Africa and uh, all the things they did, the Gaul. <laughs> you know, 
Caesar goes to um, Britain, you know, Vini, Vidi, Vici, uh, I came, I saw, I conquered all this movement. They conquered all these people. Now you have all these slaves, brought them into the empire, and now you have all these slaves right under our noses. Mm -hmm. It was a problem, a sociological problem um, that you could not easily fix. And I, some would even argue it created so much instability, it may have seen the rise of political instability later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's a different topic. Why do you, you see, we intuitively know that this does not apply to the nine-year-old little girl mm -hmm. who's been taken from her home or been forced into a, a servanthood, a servitude uh, to the whims of others. We intuitively know that. Why? Because it's disgusting. It is. Our moral compass tells us that's wrong. And where I want to probe here is that's the same moral compass that, 200 years ago, abolitionists were saying, mm -hmm. regardless of what the Bible seems to be saying to you, there's no way that owning an entire race of people for economic benefit forever and ever in perpetuitude can be morally right, that right. you can beat them mm -hmm. and treat them as you want to as personal property. And so it's the moral sense that says it can't be right. Therefore, our, our mind tells us, Paul must be talking about yeah. something else because there's no way that Paul was saying a nine-year-old little girl would have to endure that endure that, and go through that. And he's also saying there's no way that uh, a, a, a man and his wife and his family should be separated by a slave owner in the American South because that's what the, he has to obey your masters. There's no way Paul meant that no. either. He right. must. So our moral compass right. tells us that something else is going on. Well, in fear, you know, you're talking about the nine-year-old little girl in her fear for her life, and she's scared to death. Of course she's going to be submissive, and she's going to do what he says. But in the back of her mind, you know, she's got to know that this isn't right. Absolutely. Something's not mm -hmm. right here, especially if she's been groomed from a good home, and she knows what it is to be treated well and to be loved, mm -hmm. and then to be in this situation. And fear has a lot to do with that. But the moral side of us, we know what we know. Absolutely. And so we have to read the Bible with our heart turned on as well as our head turned on. Yes. And this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So you're right. You're absolutely right. He it, set I, you up. I feel like he set you up. I know. I felt like we were going to have to fight. <laughs> but, but you still answered right. You because did. What you said yeah. was, I just know that it is. And that really is. is the answer. That's it. That's There's the no line. way it can mean that. Yeah. Whatever it means it can't mean that. that. Mm -hmm. And so that if you allow that to be your guiding principle. That's not the kind of God we serve. We don't serve that kind of a kind I don't of think God. pimps serve God. <laughs> no, but I mean, he, he doesn't expect us to go through those types of things. And I still will go even further, Misty. I will say, if God did mean that, he would not be worthy of worship. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's why he is worthy of That's worship. Right. Is because he is Good. loving and kind Good. and gracious <laughs> and wonderful. But how many times do we look at one specific verse and make it mean what we want it to mean rather than... You mean like verse 18? Just that, like we'll that, that later. Yeah, yeah. Um, rather than yep. how it was intended. Absolutely. And for the audience it was intended. So, Daryl, you started earlier on, um, before I rudely Hi, cut Jack. you off. Um, My brain has gone to about 25 topics since then, so I don't even remember Pick where one. <laughs> Pick one. Is it Shrek? Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter.
Potter, <laughs> Shrek, Enneagram I three. That. I haven't brought, I haven't mentioned Harry Potter or the Enneagram yet. So oh. yet. Uh, <laughs> so if you take a moment and think about slavery in the ancient world, it was different than our general mm -hmm. preconceived notion. Now, to be sure, there were human trafficking, sex, sex trade operations going on um, in the ancient world, um, but it was so different than our preconceived notion of racial slavery mm -hmm. in the United States. We enslaved a whole race of people just based solely upon their skin color. That and is, used the Bible to justify a lot of it. Uh, horribly, horribly. And um, I think that gives the Bible bad press. Of course. <laughs> That's one of the, th there, there are That's lots one, of interpretations yeah. that give the Bible bad press. How do we write that wrong, though? Like, how do you? By listening to Under the Water Tower, <laughs> Ministry of Fellowship. Baptist do you know Church. what I mean? Like Education. I, I really believe one of the big, this is going to get me in trouble with some of our listeners. One of the big problems we have in American Christianity today is the anti-intellectual bias mm -hmm. that exists amongst a lot of Christ followers. I don't want no learning. Just, just preach me the gospel, which is true. Who's going to argue with preaching me the gospel? But you would like to have people teaching you who thought through the complicated issues and don't mm -hmm. just read it and say, slaves obey your masters. Well, whatever that says is what you're supposed to do, but, right. but who thought it through. Yeah. But like you just said, preach me the gospel. Well, in the 1940s, 50s, the gospel that some people were preaching was black people didn't have souls and they couldn't be saved. I've heard that in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And so, I did grow up in East Texas, though. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so there again, therein lies the problem. Preach me the gospel, our biases. What does that mean? Well, it's what I want it to mean, as opposed to, like you said, the need for education and then the need for, I mean, if we really want to play this out, am I a slave to Christ, which means I'm willing to open myself up to realizing I don't know it all, and there are mm -hmm. some things that I may be doing that God's trying to steer me in a different mm -hmm. way that produces love, which is the end all, mm -hmm. as Jesus said. Absolutely, and mm -hmm. so you get... The, the slaves have a certain response. At least half the people, probably. It's, it's hard to know for sure because mm -hmm. the, the numbers, my friend David is a real expert on numbers in the ancient world, but about half the population were slaves. Well, as we were talking Across about, the board. As we were talking about this, the, the context I could see, another context where I could see Paul talking about was like when a nation came in and conquered another nation and a, a large collective group of of the people were in some form of, of slavery that they couldn't throw off mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't as horrible as American slavery it was maybe. not as horrible and and so they had somewhat of a lifestyle so to speak but they had this label and so um, there was an opportunity for a relational engagement of how you treated your your master and how the master treated you um, that didn't exist or doesn't exist with sex trafficking or with American, uh, what we think of American slavery in the South, where uh, it wasn't just, well, just play nice and endure it. That's not what he's saying, but he's... Yeah, yeah he's not saying that. He's not saying slavery is so noble and wonderful. It's just a part of the accepted world mm -hmm. uh, that he lives in, and he um, is working hard to do 
um, I think something completely different. Uh, he's not a social reformer, but I believe you can read in between these lines, especially in his behavior. We're going to get in a couple of weeks with Philemon's discussions about Philemon uh, on the back end of this with the names, uh, how, how slavery and ownership really is the backdrop for a lot of the, these conversations. What I'm interested in is, so 50% of the population were probably slaves, and they did all sorts of stuff. Now, when you think of slaves, what do you think of them doing? Manual labor. labor. Ma a lot of manual labor, mm. field work. They did do that. The, the Roman ideal was have large plantations. They invented the plantation system, latifundia, and they had all these wonderful things, and slaves would work them. But slaves were also teachers, mm -hmm. doctors, all manner of professionals. Uh, they were all slaves because there was no economic system like what we understand. Mm -hmm. You were owned by someone who was responsible for your well-being as well as you were responsible to them. In fact, one of the old uh, idioms uh, or ideas of the Roman world for slavery was that the slaves were actually richer than the owners because they, would, they could make money. Mm -hmm. you, if you were a slave, you could own personal property, so you could make money, and you could buy your freedom, which was something that really, think about American slavery. If you were a black person, you could really, there was no method for liberty for you. Mm -hmm. It was always there. And that's how it is with human trafficking. Exactly. Once There's, you're in, you're in. That's mm -hmm. it. But so. you could buy your freedom, and a lot of them did. Oftentimes, they were emancipated after a few years of service. Um, sometimes uh, they would be adopted into the family because they were so close. Do you think they still had that slave stigma? Like, do you no, think? Do no. you think it was? They were free, and oh, they were they're okay. Uh, and Not they were. Okay, but, yeah. If half the population's for a slave, and you're suddenly free, that's way better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, but now, but now maybe you might starve to death because when you're the owner, you have to care for them and you all that. To. That's in the Roman mm -hmm. world. In the American South, we we perfected slavery in a horrible way in which beatings and torture and there was no way out mm -hmm. no way out um, and it was racial it was not economic mm -hmm. you yeah. didn't conquer someone and come in it was racial um, I brought something in uh, a book to read a puppy oh a book sorry <laughs> story time with Jamie <laughs> so uh, Roman history I'm going to read this to you um, it's from uh, Mary Beard's Outstanding, and I mean this, S-P-Q-R, that's the name of the book. It's the best, probably the best Roman history book I have seen in the last 15 years. What does S-P-Q-R stand The Senate and People of Rome, S-P-Q-R, for the Senate and People of Rome. It's an inscription you'll find on documents mm. throughout the Roman Empire, S-P-Q-R. I'm just thinking if she would have named it, you know what I could read. <laughs> it's written in English. It's written. <laughs> no, the title. She's wonderful. Uh, okay, ready the, for story time. Uh, here's the story time. I'm going to read this to you and let's see if it doesn't ring any bells. In 61 CE, and she uses CE as the common era, that's 61 AD for those of us who follow Christ, um, which sets this time period as within a decade of Paul's writing this from Rome to Colossae, which was a Roman colony, right? 61 CE, a leading senator was murdered by one of his slaves. Dum, dum, dum. 
and the Senate decided to follow the traditional rules for such a crime, which insisted that all the victim's slaves be put to death along with the guilty party. The threat of such a punishment was meant to encourage slaves to inform on one another. So one slave kills the owner, we're going to punish you by killing all the slaves. Um, on this occasion, there were 400 of them altogether, mm-hmm. all innocent. Now just imagine, 400 slaves, one senator. The people took to the streets in outrage at the severity of what was proposed and in a display of solidarity between the slaves and the free population, many of whom had been slaves themselves. But even though a significant number of senators were on the side of the rioters, the Emperor Nero brought the troops in to prevent trouble and had the sentence carried out. Does that not sound contemporary, at least in some way, (laughs) shape, or form to anyone around this table besides me? You have... Um, someone did something wrong who should have been punished. No one disagrees with that. You can't be killing people. But the, the law and order justice was deemed to be too harsh. It was old-fashioned. We're not going to follow. You're about 400 people, yeah. right? Think this through. People rioted in the streets, and it wasn't just the slaves revolting. Think of Spartacus revolt. It wasn't just the slaves revolting. It was free people some senators and slaves. But the government brings in troops Mm. to man the streets to bring peace and order and to carry out the sentence. Mm. You're about to say something. Nope. It seemed like you were about to say something. I'm going to have to put my mask back on. (laughs) (laughs) You can't read my face. Now, just in case you're wondering, is there some sort of political agenda behind this book? It was written in 2015. Mm. So it's... It's five years ago. That's the it, SPQR. SPQR, not the Bible or the ESV. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, to me, that just reiterates sometimes how law and order are, are necessary, but sometimes we get so caught up in focusing on the rules and the roles and categorizing people that we um, forget about people as people. And that there is no um, no compassion. No, it's just like, well, they, they need to conform or mm-hmm. they need to, they, and you start using the word they, that means we've lumped a whole group of people together. Um, and the thing that really has chapped my hide <coughs> lately is I just, I've really become discouraged with all of the media. Um, yes, there is a lot of information but there's a lot of power the media has, and and then go back to the whole. We need to be educating our people on what things mean. I, I I think a lot of times we just want to turn the TV on, and have someone tell me what to think or feel or believe, mm-hmm. and not do any research behind what they're saying. And a lot of times the the media is presenting an editorial. They're pr- presenting an opinion, or they're they're projecting. Um, they're they're leading us to feel a certain way yeah. about something by picking and choosing what they show yeah. us. Showing you um, all the facts, you know. Like, and you always. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I just say like the in the store here in the Ro- the Roman slave. Um, I could see some media outlets s- highlighting this murder and so and saying all slaves. Look at how horrible these slaves are. They're murderous and they're they're evil, um, and ignoring the fact that this was one person. This mm-hmm. was a, a, a select um, situation, um, 
and not having the common decency for people to say, well, maybe maybe the rules are a little harsh, you know, maybe maybe we're missing something here. But mm -hmm. what were you going to say? I was just going to say, you know, you always hear history repeats itself. Mm -hmm. And this is, I mean, that's exactly what that brought to my mind, is how many things are we seeing now being played out that, I mean, even as far back as the scripture goes, we're seeing those things, you know, happening now. And it's just. Well, and we're Rome. Yes. We would all do well. All Americans mm -hmm. would do well to read Roman history mm -hmm. because we have followed. And so yeah. whether you talk about the, the patrician and plebeian um, uh, tensions or you talk about, I mean, the, Rome had the first 1% problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Long before we had, you know, the 99% right. and the 1%ers, Rome had it and it was mm -hmm. bad. Mm -hmm. uh, or you talk about economics and empire. Mm -hmm. uh, we are, we are, even the, the language. Senator, I mean, right. <laughs> the exact, exact same, same yeah. word. That's what I mean. Senator. It's just crazy. Uh, Even you go back to fashion. You know, my mom and I are watching something on TV other than Fox for five minutes when she changes the channel. But, <laughs> you know, she'll see a lady wearing bell-bottom jeans, and she'll say, oh, those must be, kind, you know, those are what I used to wear. And so even fashion, you, I mean, just everything just comes, you know. That's and why I don't throw away suit coats. Eventually, exactly. they'll come back. They're going to come back. <laughs> Those yeah. Hawaiian shirts, I don't know. <laughs> Those never go out Hawaiian of style. shirts are always never, in style. What are you talking style. about? <laughs> Have you seen any? There's no... I'm a big movie watcher. There is no movie genre that doesn't have someone in a Hawaiian <laughs> a shirt. Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Whether it's hum, it's uh, usually Humphrey comic Ogar, relief. Chevy uh, Chase. Or, or it's Chevy Chase <laughs> or... Um, Tom Selleck. Yeah. There's always someone wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Alf. Uh, Didn't Alf wear one? <laughs> yeah, I think he Wait, did. Alf wore a Hawaiian shirt. You, on cannot, sure. you, cannot, you cannot compare Magnum P.I. and this mustache to end all. Well, now they were both shred. pretty hairy. <laughs> and they but Tom Selleck did not eat cat. That's it. No, he uh, did not. No. So where were we? Slavery. <laughs> well, welcome to Under the Water Tower. Do you think Alf was a slave, though? <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to be there, Joni. But some of he these slaves to. were no, like no, no. some slaves. Alf was an undocumented immigrant. Yeah. Oh well, there we go. An That's alien. An, an alien. alien. Yeah. That's a whole um, <laughs> can of worms. <laughs> so, so, I'm still not through with slavery yet because now we have to go and work through what Paul says for them. What I find fascinating is uh, so much of this now is about the slaves. If you take verse 18 all the way to verse 1, it's not very long. This is very short. There's a longer rendering of the same ideas in Ephesians. Mm -hmm. uh, Ephesians 5, I want to say uh, 21 through 4, 9. No, 6, 9. Yeah, I think that's it. Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, 9. And, and where Paul takes all these ideas and blows them up, but not as much really with the here, it's all about, he spends 22, 23, 24, and 25 really talking about the slave's responsibility. That should tell us something. What does it tell us? It tells us it's important. It's important? What, what else? And Well, and he had mentioned slaves back in, in chapter 3 when it was saying neither slave nor free. So it's coming, it's coming back around. So I think that's important okay. too, like... Christ is here for everyone, and this is this is the relationship. Okay. That, that well, you, everything you've said is accurate. Well, and collectively, the, li the, the, the Christ life, if you will, the kingdom, uh, 
being a Christ follower, if, if you look at the very life of Jesus, his life was a symbol of surrender and submission mm -hmm. to his father mm -hmm. and to others and to people. And I think what the theme of all of this really is, are you exemplifying the relationship you have with God and all your other relationships? Because they should look similar. Okay, so that's, that's the, um, you have went to a symbolic place where we as slaves to our masters, whoever they are, are a type of Christ who served the whole world, mm -hmm. even though he had the right not to. That, 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 that's a, um, almost a metaphysical sense mm -hmm. that I am a servant mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. all. What is the, the Hard Rock Cafe slogan, love all, serve all? Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Something along those lines. Uh, I just suddenly craved a hamburger and a cherry Coke. I'm not the only one who goes to weird places. <laughs> That's not weird. I got, I got hard random places. Cheeseburgers are never weird. Oh, uh, hard Rock Cafe you, is not weird. You Where you mean, in your but, mind? But you don't mean going to Hard Rock physically. No, 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 no. I'm you talking about me, in this conversation. Okay, the I, thoughts that come I into thought, our brains. Shrek, Elf, Hard Rock Cafe. I thought you, you were telling me that I was weird because I went to the Hard Rock. I got t-shirts from all over the world. Okay. So the idea, the metaphysical sense of serve all. I think there's also something in that since he spends so much time on this, A, it must have been a real issue, and B, probably most of the people he's writing this to are slaves. Mm -hmm. if, if not yeah. almost all of them, but the, the majority. And so he's given them important things. Now, why would he be so – I mean, he, he goes, work hard, do as you're doing for Jesus, don't just be a – person pleaser that and was it, my favorite part and people pleaser. <laughs> <laughs> are you a people pleaser maybe uh, sometimes <laughs> and, 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 and be advised if you're wrong which by the way one of the uh, ancient cliches in the ancient world about slaves was they were all thieves they robbed mm -hmm. from their masters mm -hmm. um, there, there was a roman tr uh, trope that really played into that that the slaves had more money, their masters they stole from them. Mm. Mm. Uh, that's probably what he's referring to. Don't be a wrongdoer. Don't be a thief. Because mm -hmm. um, God's going God's gonna to get you, sucker. You know, that, that's kind of <laughs> my loose interpretation of verse 25. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, right? Um, he really lays this on. Probably, watch this. Now, he writes this before the, these slaves were put to death. But if you are a bad slave, it can only be bad for you. Mm -hmm. And you may bring badness on everyone, everyone else in your else. house church. Yeah. So he's talking about this is your best plan for survival is to be a, a good, do what you do, do well. That will probably lead to your emancipation quicker than anything else mm -hmm. uh, because they're going to want to monetize this situation in a better way. So he's actually given them advice that would have been to their immediate and long-term benefit, mm -hmm. not to their hindrance. That's right. another reason why it's not the nine-year-old girl with the being trafficked. Because uh, the advice then would be to her harm, mm -hmm. not to her good. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think there, there's a sense to that. One more layer here. I told you it was long. That's why I was uncertain. We should, but you read Bondservant, so you <laughs> did it. One more layer here. If I interpret this as slave and masters, it has almost no meaning for me whatsoever. Is that true? I mean, I'm a free man. But it says in Proverbs that a, um, 
you're a slave to your a borrower is slave to your lender like how is that <laughs> that's why you call it mastercard <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> i'm just saying like my favorite jokes <laughs> well I, I i don't know if this is where you're going but you know as we were i don't know rereading that I, I had the Hard thought luck. i've probably heard this preached as employee employer mm-hmm. as a as a application it is a good application because uh, if you're a doctor in the ancient world or you're a teacher in the ancient world then you're a slave, and so your employer is the one who's taking care of you. And that really is a close. Their rights were not what our employees have right. rights, but it was. A, that's the best way I can understand, especially all the teachings here about, you know, work hard, with sincerity, and not just trying to make the boss happy. Not by way of eye service. Mm-hmm. So, so I was curious where else, like the ESV, that was. That was that changed it to bond servants. Like if they used the word slave anywhere else, and it actually uses the word slave in Romans um, six sixteen. Do not do you not know that if you pre- present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Um, I wonder why they would use slaves there. Political the same. Would it be the same? Is there many R- different Romans where? Six sixteen. Mm. Are there different Greek translations for or Greek words that can be translated slave? This whole slave bond servant in thing. the context. I think that. W- it's doulos. Mm. <laughs> see, that's my problem. Remember where you yeah. use the same word and you move it around. But this, I think, in this scripture she's talking about, I think you anything that you submit or surrender yourself to. Um, you become a slave to it if you're in debt, mm-hmm. if you're holding on to a relationship. Anything that you put between you and you and Christ, that becomes, you know, you become a slave to that, to well, your sin, six, to that bondage. Yeah, and so is that the difference in that? I and think I think you're exactly where they're at. They're comfortable saying we can become mm-hmm. a slave to sin. Yeah. They're not right. a comfortable saying that a human being can be a slave to someone right. else. That, that's, that's their the own level of discomfort. There's the mm-hmm. politics yeah. of it. Well, sugarcoat. A slave to sin is, oh, that preaches really well. And yep. we can, whether you're liberal or conservative, mm-hmm. you can preach you're a slave to something right. to hold you into bondage. We love that metaphor. Yeah. But, but we don't like yeah. talking about people in the real world that yes. way. Yeah. Which is really interesting. No, and then I was going to say 617 says um, that you were once slaves of sin mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and have become obedient. So I don't know. I just, yeah, that slave's bond servant thing is. Um. Yeah, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much in Romans with slaves and what they did, and so much of Paul's imagery is bound up in the punishment for slaves that were bad. Mm-hmm. You were sent to the the silver mines, mm-hmm. and so if you were a bad, did something wrong, the punishment for sin is death, because mm-hmm. the silver mines is where you went to go die. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a fun thought, but. <laughs> You, working hard because you're serving Christ. Now, I think this takes uh, a, a leap now to the nobility of work. Is work um, a necessary means to an end, or is you know I got I got to feed my family, I got to pay my I got to pay my mortgage, I got all my car payments. Stupid Buick. Um, all the things I have to do, so I work to pay the bills, or is work 
something inherently necessary for us to be um, conformed to the image of Christ. Discuss amongst yourselves. Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine, like, even if, like, even if there was no work, like, go to work, do the thing, there's still the work at the in your home. There's still that, like, you still have things to do. Like, what would that look like with no work? Like, if there wasn't any work at all, would that be video games all day long? I mean, at some point you have to fix food. To me, that's work. At some point, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't. Is this only work in the sense of go make money? That's what I'm asking. Do we only work for for a paycheck? I'm taking what they're living because I'm working. Do, do, I'm do taking the what they're giving because I'm working, working for, for a living. living. Do the right. bare minimum just to get the check. I think mean, my mm-hmm. Huey Lewis quote right. right. <laughs> I I think I a lot of this is applicable to, in in a sense, to anybody where you, you're you're kind of born into whatever the system is. What is the cultural economic system that exists around you? You know, can you break free from that? Can you get out of it? Is it bad? Is it just what it is? And kind of as a starting place, um, here's, here's some instructions on how to live out your faith in whatever context you're in. Mm-hmm. But um, I think to take what you're saying, Joni, I, I think there's also, in my mind, I look at work as an expression of who you are. And so if you have an opportunity to, you know, people used to learn a trade or an artist who what they do may be about feeding the family or making money, but it's also something that becomes some form of an expression of their identity. And so you've kind of got those two parallel ideas in my brain um, of how work is an is inherent. It's, it's, it's going to be something that expresses who we are or if it's something that you kind of feel trapped in, there is still a way to, to deal with it um, and to live in that context. I think identity mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul does not want these people to see their identity as slaves. Yeah. You are, your identity is not rooted in your servanthood to another human being. Your identity is rooted in your relationship to Jesus Christ. Right. And they're still facing the, the old law. They're still facing that getting sucked back into their, you know, pagan pagan ways. Right. I mean, that has mm-hmm. to play into that to some extent as well. Which, if you're a slave, that feeds into it a lot because yeah. the pagan ways is drunken debauchery. And if you're a slave and you got nothing to work for, that's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, it's, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for this. <laughs> He said pagan, twice now. Pagan, well, I, I live for, that's my job, is to get in trouble. Stir in the pot. Uh, ancient pagan practices were um, the meth houses of today's world, in mm-hmm. which where you go and you can check out yep. and you, you escape so that the next day you can go back and you do your crummy thing that is horrible and you come back. It's a cycle, cycle. of repeat. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, the, it's the same as the person who works hard all week. And if this is you out there listening, it doesn't have to be this way. You work hard all week. You hate your job. You can't wait till Friday. And you buy as much liquor as you can. And you stay hammered all weekend long. And, and you yeah. go to Monday morning work working for the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's the same motif. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your identity can't be your way. If, if all your identity is wrapped up in your work, then you've lost something. It's not, you're not what you do. You are who you belong to mm-hmm. and who you 
are in relationship with. And I think that creates a crisis of faith for a lot of people. Well, I have to. I have to have this job where there may be people who have gifts and talents that God may be spur- spurring on to start their own business or do something, but they're just scared they're of afraid. it. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of bound up by, well, I have to do this. And God's maybe inviting them to say, I want you to trust me and not not the system or not your job or mm-hmm. not your even not your own abilities um, to step out of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there could be deeper levels of faith uh, going on. Mm-hmm. I see that a lot with the the American ethic of work hard all the time and going to achieve certain economic goals. Mm-hmm has led to um, the crisis of faith, crisis of belief, crisis yeah. of purpose. When we get older, a lot of older folks, their, their bodies begin to fail uh, and they're not going to work anymore. And they start asking questions like, why do I, what's my purpose? Why, why doesn't God just right. bring me to heaven now? Right. Well, evaluate that question. Why did he bring you here to begin with? Right. It wasn't to work. Yeah. It wasn't to do that job that you did at the factory yeah. or the business. Well, and you think you of the rich young ruler. You know, he had all the money, and you know, and he said, "I do all these other things." And then when Jesus said, "You know, sell your stuff and give the money to the poor and follow me," well, he didn't want to do that. Yeah. I'll do all these things, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not ready to do that yet. Because his definition because of self was, was what he had. It was right. money. Security. Yeah. And so much of, if you think about, like, when you meet someone for the first time, when we used to shake hands. um, (laughs) Back in the good old days. Back in in the good old days. That was so 2019. So March. Um, March. Actually, by March, I had stopped touching people. (laughs) (laughs) Back in February. um, Wait a minute. That sounds so creepy. Uh, uh, Sorry, I didn't mean that. You started social distancing. Physical distancing. (laughs) What were you saying, Tony? Okay, never mind, derailed. Um, I'm not no, editing I was, that out. I was saying that, you know, used to, when you shook hands and you met someone for the first time, they would usually ask you your name, but then it's, what do you do? And so much of our identity is wrapped up in what we do, mm-hmm. and that's that's. I used to uh, do something true. with the youth, where, or even with adults, where I would say, I want you to describe who you are, but it can't be anything that you do. It can't be, I'm an athlete. It can't mm-hmm. be... I work somewhere. Um, yeah. It can't be I'm someone's son or mm-hmm. daughter. It, ha- it was more about what, what's, your, what's your value, what's your character. Who are and you? that's hard because I think most people don't think about that. Well, just like going to a class reunion 20, 30, 40 years later, and, you know, I'm a doctor and I'm a dentist and I'm a lawyer, you know. Hi, you know. I'm Misty. Can I tell you how to fix that? Don't go. I don't. I've not I have been to never one gone through anything like that. It's just horrible. It's too much. You know, I have to make choices, and that's, you know. Those people didn't like me when they knew me back then. I talked to them. I talked to the people that, you know. So, anyway, but that's what it reminds me of is having to, exp- you know, explain who right. you are. Well, and I think now I'm going to get in trouble. I think that's where the, Next. the appeal of capitalism, well, the American dream, Get a good education, good job, stay loyal to your company, retire, and you can enjoy all the, the perks and stuff. Um, and you have generations of kids saying, "Now, well, I went to college, and now I'm living to pay the college debt mm-hmm. that I have, and there are no jobs available. Mm-hmm. And But the whole point of that was if you work hard, you can ha- reap all these rewards. You know, picket mm-hmm. fence, two-car garage, the boat, the kids. Yeah. But then what about cancer? 
what, what about all of these curveballs that life throws us? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of our culture is still trying to get rich quick because we think that that's the solution. The solution's in the, the, the mm -hmm. money or mm -hmm. the, the resources. In the American dream. You know, yeah. people want whatever that. that is. Whatever yeah. that whatever is. Because my American dream is way different, different than most yeah. people's mm -hmm. dream. Yeah. Um, so, in summary, slavery is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case the anyone moral thought story. this passage does not endorse it in any way. <laughs> in case anyone thought we were ambiguous on the subject matter, slavery is bad. Racism is horrible. Mm. Uh, we need to not be that way at all. And what Paul is trying to do is create a way forward for the people who are in the church at Colossae mm -hmm. to live within their church community mm -hmm. harmoniously. Because if we're going to figure out later in this book, sitting there listening to this letter are mostly slaves, at least one or two slave owners mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in this same congregation. Uh, in this place where Paul has said there's neither slave nor free. Mm -hmm. right. In church, we're all the same. But when you're out in the regular world, and the slave there might have more in common with the employee at McDonald's or the person who you're mean to at Walmart mm -hmm. or you're the, the male the person who delivers the mail. Right? Mm -hmm. Just think about that. Mm -hmm. um, I've already quoted Huey Lewis. We can <laughs> quote uh, Bob Dylan now. <laughs> Everyone serves someone. Yep. Mm -hmm. No one. Maybe Jeff Bezos is free because he has so much cash, <laughs> uh, but he's the exception, not the rule. Uh, all of us have some group of people that we are beholden to mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. for, our, for, for upstanding the way of life that we're accustomed to. Sure. To keep the Every, Topo Chico in the fridge. And everybody bows down to something or someone. I mean, everybody does. And speaking of bowing, let's back up to uh, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I was trying to discreetly take a picture of, we haven't posted any pictures Blurted in a while of our, um, <laughs> Go ahead, Daryl, don't listen to him. Go ahead. <laughs> just carry on. <laughs> Shouldn't you be in here, or are you just taking Shouldn't a picture? Shouldn't you be in here? I wanted to get some of the chaos. And some okay. Of the chaos? <laughs> so people could see how, um, How come every time I'm involved, the word chaos comes I was, uh, I, I, My motion of my hand was the whole place here. Our papers, our books are strewn everywhere, just in case people think we're just sitting in a coffee shop randomly talking off our heads. A lot goes in into this. So no one sits in coffee shops anymore. Back in February. I haven't touched anybody in six months. Remember that. Um, so let's back up to verse 18. We skipped all these other relationships uh, because Daryl read the wrong translation. <laughs> Way to go, um, Daryl. And we only have like 10 minutes left. So Okay, uh, go. Talk fast. I think that's right. He's checking. He, he had to turn it off because he took a picture. <laughs> but wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Um, that's not controversial at all, is it? No, what we're all good mean? with that. What does that <laughs> mean? Good stuff. Do, do you submit to your husband well as is fitting to the Lord? I try. Try. Well, isn't it? Um, I, I try. That's about all I can do. <laughs> in Genesis, where God's saying, "Here's here's kind of the consequences of your cho choices to Adam and Eve," and isn't one of them that Eve will desire to rule over her husband? And so, if you, I don't think that says. I think it says, uh, "Your desire will be for him." Okay. I think that's what it says in Genesis. I, I could be wrong. I'm well, I'm just not. I'm just trying to to think of uh, even some other books and things I've read, typically, typically, and, and I'm being very stereotypically, it's typical here, I'm, I'm putting a disclaimer on this, I'm not, Gina, are you listening? I'm not saying <laughs> this is, 
um, the way it is, but stereotypically, a lot of times, women are more <laughs> relational, and so a lot of their investment is in their spouse, mm -hmm. whereas men are going to work the ground or whatever, they tend to get caught up in um, work, and that's that's kind of where they run run to here, and, and I, I, it, uh, this is where I'm going to get in trouble, but I feel <laughs> like um, sometimes the struggle in relationships is when, well, let me just make it more neutral here, is when one spouse is trying to control the other. Right. And, and you can control your spouse or attempt to control your spouse or you can submit to the relationship. And I'm, I'm speaking both husband and wife here, not just speaking uh, to the wives. Um, I don't know what my point was. I don't even I don't know, know why <laughs> I went I there, like but. <laughs> All the opinions of Daryl Fishbrook <laughs> belongs solely to Daryl Fishman. <laughs> well, and submission can't be forced. You know, I can submit to Greg, but um, I have to do it out of, you know, you. that's not something, I, out of my own free will. And when the man or whoever who's, is the man in the relationship comes into the picture trying to force that, you know, it's... You, it, you picked up on an important textual aspect. The word for submit or be subject to here is in the middle voice. Mm -hmm. So it's not active. Mm -hmm. And it carries with it, the, the, because it's in the middle voice, mm -hmm. it's voluntary. Right. It's a, yes. it's a personal choice yes. that is made. It's not enforced right. by church law. It's not yes. enforced by legal code, uh, yes. as I think they still do in the state of Alabama. Uh, but it's I'm also sorry, both and. He's speaking to husbands and wives together. together. That's what I'm saying. And biblically, we know the man is the head of the house, and the man is the one that the wife is supposed to be submissive to. But when people take this out of context, and a lot of times the woman is the man of the house. The, the woman wears the pants in the family, and she can try to enforce that control and that submission as well i'm not saying that's right i'm just saying that in you know if you want to take things and twist them i mean that's one of the things that you know women some women feel like they have control of the relationship all the opinions of misty ownership of misty i'm just saying um so I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit i i'm not really convinced that the bible teaches that a wife is submissive and is um, the, the second fiddle, so to speak, in a, in a household relationship. My perception is that is, the, just like with slavery, mm -hmm. that is the world in which Christianity was born. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And that the Lord's, the, if, if, if the Garden of Eden before the fall is our model, then we have two human beings in a loving mutual relationship. Mm -hmm. If Christ on the cross did anything, it was to begin to undo the process of the sin and the fall mm -hmm. to patch things back together again. Right. So in the Christian uh, movement, there is a recapitulation, as it were, with Christ as the head, mm -hmm. <laughs> not the husband. Yeah. Right. Christ yeah. is the head. Uh, and then Paul uses in Ephesians the parallel here to say, like you understand the husband is the head and the wife is the, is the submissive one, that's what Christ is right. to the church. Right. So if, the, if Christ is now the head, then two, a husband and a wife together are both submitting to Christ, so they are now equal partners right. in yeah. this mm -hmm. relationship. Yes. I agree. Uh, and so you move forward with that idea. That's, that's where I'm more... Mm -hmm. I don't really um, 
jive with the the um, that this is imperpetual always right. wives must be subject or submit to mm -hmm. their husbands the ephesians passage the, the parallel here verse 21 starts with submit to one another right yes so it's everyone a submit. It's a, and it's a partnership. And so if I submit to Kim, mm -hmm. which is a good idea because Kim, uh, <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Greenbean can be a bully. <laughs> I don't um, buy that, Kim. And I've learned. And now recently, that she's listening, she listened to five she minutes. She told me five she was going to start listening. So hello, Kim. I love minutes. you. <laughs> She'll never make it this deep. You can this just is, listen to our part of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love her, but uh, she she and I are equal partners. There are times when she takes the lead. There are times when I take the lead, exactly. depending on our level of expertise yeah. or what we know what we're talking about. Yeah. We make decisions together because Christ is our head. And I'm not I'm, the head. And if I'm loving Christ and he's he's the center of my, and of my life and the everything I do, you know, is him first, then I'm going to want to treat Greg, you know, with the respect and the dignity Absolutely. And, and all those things. Not because you're inferior, right. but because you love because him. Because I love him. And he loves you. Yes. Well, yes. And there, there were and several. he thinks a lot of you, by the way. Well, he better. <laughs> <laughs> Which about He'd husbands, be wrong not to. Husbands, right. if you're arguing with your spouse and you say submit to me, you've lost. <laughs> Congratulations. And missed the point. You, and you, you just, better run and hide, You Greg. just lost that <laughs> argument. Well, and, and again, to back up and take things from a broad approach here so much of this can be confused yeah and folks no we can, well <laughs> this I whole passage <laughs> we can focus on our right, here's your role here's the rules you're supposed to follow fit this role do your duty mm -hmm. See, that's or a we can say each one of these are relationships and love is the only way to grease the wheels the gears of mm -hmm. any relationship and and here's some help Mm -hmm. on on what that might look like to yes exactly <laughs> and and if we use that same hermeneutical approach as we use with slavery what this verse cannot mean is that a wife must sit there and let a husband beat her that's right. yes mm -hmm. abuse her that's neglect same, her emotionally that's or the physically same thing we were talking about earlier with the nine-year-old yeah it's I the, mean, you so the principle yeah. can't be well, when Paul wrote this, he wasn't saying, yeah. you know what? I bet there's a woman out there getting black eyes every other day. Mm -hmm. She should just take it because a woman should submit to, to her, her husband. husband. No matter that what. Is, that's not no what he was what. saying. Yeah. But I've been in church long enough to know that it's been preached that way, and mm -hmm. I know that there are a lot of women who stayed yeah. in very abusive relationships because their pastor told them that was their duty. Yeah, yeah I do too. And I know that, um, and felt guilty for feeling that way. Yeah. Um, and the church has probably blood on its hands, mm -hmm. and certainly a lot of pain. And this is part of that. Goes back to this is one of the reasons why we are discredited in the mm -hmm. eyes of a lot of people yeah. because we're our anti-intellectual bias. And if I may be so bold. So if you're the white man or the man in power, these verses can be twisted yep. to support yes. your place of power and privilege. Yep. And that's what they've been done for 2,000 years, and that's wrong. Yep. Uh, that is not what these verses mean, especially when you get down to the husbands. What's he supposed to do? 
Cook for his wife every night. <laughs> I love to cook. Do all the laundry. Kim doesn't like to eat rice, <laughs> though. I like it's rice. Laundry. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, which is the harder, to submit to a spouse or to love a spouse? I just think, I feel like the submit <laughs> part um, is the, like, if you use it in that terminology, is the do better and it's what you do. It's the do better, try harder. But love is more relational. It is more. Well, it's about surrendering. Mm-hmm. And surrender. Yeah. So love is a verb. To me, the definition for love is always what Christ did for the church. Mm-hmm. And how did Christ love the church? Oh, wait. He, he bled died. and died, died for yeah. it. Sacrificially. And he, that's what love. I may not be a smart man, Jenny, but I know what love is. I <laughs> think um, so many times people take verse 18 and like verse 19 just get the big old X, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think you're right. They just mm-hmm. preach one half of that. Well, and uh, the, the flip side, the Ephesians passage that kind of mimics this uh, about husbands and wives. Um, I, I worked through a, a study called Love, Love and Respect, and it was one of the best marital-type studies I'd read in a long time until a part of it that I really disagreed with. But what the point they really stressed was it talks about love and respect in that passage. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Mm-hmm. And the, the point of it was loving the spouse in their language, giving them what they needed. What's your love language? Well, I mean, if we talk about love language, that's one thing. But if we talk about in a generic sense, men, we don't typically get that caught up in some of the same romantic gestures in receiving them that maybe a female might. Again, I'm saying might because I'm not trying to to put people into positions. But you start talking about what respect looks like and a wife that respects her husband and and treats him in that way. You open him up to to speak his language, to to blossom. And the, the powerful thing about that study was it was the first time I felt as a male like, oh, yeah, okay, that I get. I can connect with that. Love her the way she needs to be loved, but be respected in the way that it speaks my language. And it's just like it creates, it opens up this opportunity mm-hmm. for the relationship to blossom. Now, the part that, it, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but for whatever reason. Why would you do that? <laughs> See you, baby. But that's that's like, images of babies flying through the air. Don't take off your shirt. What was the last one? Hold your shirt on. Keep your that, shirt on. Well, we made a skin a cat. Why would you skin a cat? Who wants to skin a cat? And why are there more than one ways? And Sorry. why is there skin on your teeth? I don't understand. No, <laughs> no skin off my teeth. No, but the, the, the bottom line goes back to what you said a minute ago. Is he, he had to, he couldn't, the teacher couldn't, let go of the fact that the, the the male was somehow still a little bit above the female. And so he, he couched it in, it's like 51% to 49%. Mm. And that just... Which makes, the, which makes winners and losers. Mm. It just <laughs> bothered me. It yeah. really bothered me. I, everything else, the love and respect, the mutuality, okay, you're talking about this. And then it came down to if there was a tough decision you couldn't agree on, the man always got the final say. And I just was like, I checked out at that point. I was Not just in like, my house. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joni hasn't said a word <laughs> in 15 <laughs> minutes, <laughs> and that, that brought out that words from Joni. Thank you for joining us today. <laughs> this has None. been Under the Water. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all have our resumes polished by next weekend. The, uh, that, that's, 
I think that you're right. And so I have a hard time with that. And I make every poor couple that wants me to marry them go through six sessions of marital counseling. And one thing we talk about is there is no 50-50 relationship. It's 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Yep. Mm-hmm. You got, and, and that goes it's to decision-making and also goes to respect yep. and service mm-hmm. and love. It goes both ways, and it's got to be all. That's what yep. marriage means. And I, I think that's why that submit has been abused is because if that's the foundation you're coming at with this scripture, that the man is somehow more than, than, than the woman, uh, then, of course, you're going to highlight that for whatever reason, or the tone is going gonna, is gonna to be the winners and the losers, and that, um, yeah, husbands do this, but don't forget wives. Don't, no, don't forget your place. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just... To make sure everyone knows their place, and yep. then, and then the, the stronger, I think the stronger injunction, husband, love your wife. Mm-hmm. Whatever right. she needs, you right. give to her. Yes. Yeah. You love her. And when the husband's loving the wife the way that she, like Daryl said, in her love language, the more she's going to want to be submissive to him. And that, to me, that, that answers the real question of your earlier reference mm-hmm. to Genesis. Mm-hmm. That, and I don't mean this in a negative way, uh, there's a sense there in which in a loving relationship, the woman's desire will be more so to, to please. please. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think some of that has been transformed. Uh, sure. I think, especially in the church, um, that uh, roles have changed and people have changed and expectations have changed. Mm-hmm. And I think all that's good. Um, and we've, atta- we've attached that, I think, to the system of capitalism. The reason you're really um, against capitalists today. Well, no, I'm just saying <laughs> did, the did, reason. Did you get raked over the coals in some deal this He's week? Been listening no, to I'm those just saying the service agreement not cover something that you need to fix. I mean, you had some problems. For how much so. of our country's history and and the world's history, it, because the man was considered stronger, he was the breadwinner. He was the one who could put the job on his back and the woman bore mm-hmm. the children and stayed home mm-hmm. and I think that played into this as well I see no problem now with what if you've got an intelligent wife who has this powerful career I like the what if well yeah. I'm, uh, let's just let's just play just maybe you have an intelligent there. wife all opinions of Daryl Fishbeck totally belong that is and not what I said <laughs> what if what the scenario is what if <laughs> Uh, your, we love you. Are you wife. saying you want to be a trophy husband? Yeah, I'm totally all about I don't have any problem I, doing dishes and laundry and cleaning house and all that stuff. I do not. And I don't think that this verse would be unapplicable in that situation. But we, we read it and we immediately go to the roles. Man as the right. worker, woman at home with mm. the kids. And that's, yeah. that's not American. That's human, through yeah. human history, whatever culture you're in, whatever economic system right. you're in. Because men are stronger, but so is an ox. Yes. Uh, and, but, so men have bore that responsibility physically. And because of that, they have dominated over women. But now we're in a whole new... I think I really am excited about this aspect of the future. We're in a, a, a place in which brute strength... Yep. is not the dom- intelligence, yep. cleverness, uh, compassion, insight. These are the skill sets moving forward. That's mm-hmm. why I, those are I've told typically my do- well, much more naturally female. Women are the future. Yeah, uh, Men have proven incapable of leading <laughs> and doing. Well, we want we, to take a hammer to everything. That's going to get you in trouble. I'm just we, saying. We've kind of messed everything up. I'm fine with the, 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 the A woman can't make anything worse. Can, can I go on a tangent for a second? 
I well, just yes, you can. Thought of something. <laughs> this may add five minutes to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I heard something recently about um, so many cultures had rites of passage or initiation rites that was about stripping away the, the selfishness of a teenager in that age group and bringing them to a place of awareness of themselves and the greater community. The, the person talking was, was talking about how females almost naturally go through that with childbirth and other physical things that are just part of being female. And there, there is certain elements of a, a rite of passage. A lot of males don't. A lot of males just become adult kids. And we call these politicians. And so you have a bunch of men who are running around leading corporations and countries with this. And churches. The and other churches, yeah. yes, mm -hmm. with this, well, I'm the boy, I'm the male, I can just be stronger than you. I can take a hammer to everything. And, and there's no, it's just about me being right or wrong, winners and losers. We're competitive. Uh, and if I don't get my way, I'm going to take my toys and, and, and leave, or I'm going to burn the whole place down. Yeah. And and I, I listened to that, and I thought, that's pretty powerful. And and they made the point that the, the pandemic, in a, in a certain way, is almost like a, a global initiation because it's causing us to go into this liminal space between, you know, now, whether we resist it or actually surrender to it and learn something from it or just believe it's not real, you know, whatever, that's up to each each person. But I just thought that men... We have a lot of immature men in powerful positions in our world. All opinions <laughs> are solely his. No, I, I, I should agree with you. That's for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, I speak in hyperbole sometimes, but I really do. Th I'm excited about this aspect of the future that we can, we can disconnect leadership and responsibility from brute power and force. You know. The leader no longer has to be the one who picks up the club and go fins off the tiger, right? Mm -hmm. right? Or beats back the barbarian horde. Mm -hmm. uh, we it's, we're much more, I think, sophisticated, and maybe we're finally uh, worthy mm -hmm. of a different kind of leadership. Um, I think it also um, gives hope. F I I just have seen so many situations where a girl will cry, like a young girl will cry about something, and oh, you know, love them, hug them. That's fine. But then a boy goes to rub cry. Some dirt on it. Yep. Yeah, it's rub yep. dirt on it, suck it up, buttercup, whatever it is. It's grow up real quick. Boys don't cry. Or, or what um. I see as a parent to two little girls, that's not grown women now, <laughs> but when a, when a boy is assertive, that's got leadership potential. A, a little girl's assertive, you're being bossy, bossy. pants. You're yeah. being a brat. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And that just drove me insane. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I just I think we're at a point where all of those roles can well and it all boils down to if you're not taught how to uh, distinguish and determine and sort out your feelings as a young child that's what you're going to grow up just you you're know carry that with you yeah right. you're going to take it with you and if you can't even figure out how you're feeling how are you supposed to lead other people mm -hmm. you know in, in these positions of power so you're right, Joni. Yeah. Well, thanks, Misty. We'll put that, we're going to put on a T-shirt. You were right. You were right. You're right, Joni. All right, so um, the next set of relationships, children and f I, I translate 
um, fathers as parents. parents yeah. It's plural. I think parents is a better rendering here. Children have to obey. I think this only applies to young children. Uh, honor is the word often, uh, obey, honor mm -hmm. your parents. That goes with you regardless of your age. Right. You should always honor mm -hmm. your parents. Uh, this is kind of pleasing to the Lord. This carries with it that biblical promise from the Exodus event, right? Mm -hmm. Honor your father and mother and it will be well with you in the land. You will live long in the land. I think it's important too. honor them, but sometimes there are boundaries that are, you know, that are necessary to those relationships. So I don't think it's, it's a matter of, especially like when you're older, being completely ran over. Or when do you have to stop obeying your parents? I don't know. I haven't when does stopped. obedience transition to honor only? Mm -hmm. You know, is it 21? Is it 18? Is it 12? Independent? Maybe it depends on the relationship. I don't know. If my mama tells me to do it, I'm <laughs> going to do it. Hold on. If your mama We're tells scared. me to do <laughs> something, I do it. <laughs> we all honor and love That's Joanne. Right. That woman can do whatever she wants That's to. Right. Uh, yeah. So. But I, I do I, it out of. I love her, and I know that she wants what's best right. for me. Respect. Not, mm -hmm. not because honor. Mm -hmm. Not I have to obey her. Um, but the issue, which is funny, the word obey is used here, not with wives and husbands. Mm -hmm. uh, the um, I've often because in the biblical worldview, like you became an adult like thirteen, fourteen, mm -hmm. right? If you're a thirteen-year-old girl, you're probably looking at marriage soon. Right. Uh, if you're a 14-year-old boy, you're getting ready for to training for work or military service. Mm -hmm. um, these adult rituals, mm -hmm. uh, the bar mitzvah, the bat mitzvah, the, the, these rituals of the ancient world. So I, I see a lot of tension in households when you have 16 and 17-year-olds who are demonstrating adult responsibility mm -hmm. independence. and independence and decisions, and then parents... And when I speak households, I mean mine, <laughs> parents who have a really hard time adjusting to this new normal. They live in my house. Right. I pay their bills. But this it, is the structure but you, we're in. you raise them to be that way. You want them to be independent. You want them to be self-sustaining. And you Absolutely. want them to be able to do all these things. But then when they start showing the signs of these things, it's <laughs> because like, Because I said so. This is my house. You're going to follow my rules. You know, so there's a fine line there that you have to let them spread their wings. But teach them also how to do it in a way that's still um, respectful mm -hmm. and, you know, and balance, negotiating that respect relationship that goes both ways between parent and child. It's tough. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're th 15, 16, 17, 18, those years will go a long way to how well your relationship is when you're an adult. Absolutely. When you're all like, when you're, when you're drawing Social Security and your grandkids are around, mm -hmm. that will determine that because th a lot of bad relationships happen then. Right. And well, it's, and it's done poorly. Again, yeah. to hammer on how this verse, these verses have been abused, you, you've got a lot of, I'm just going to pick on fathers um, because it's it's an it's a natural natural struggle for me as well. Fathers who struggle to connect with their kids, and it just becomes about I'm the man of the house. You'll do what I you'll say, and me. these kids are scared of their dad, but they don't have a relationship with them. And then when they finally get to the point to be independent, they want out. Right. As opposed to if you have somewhat of an open communicative relationship with them when they are you are going through these tougher years, you, you have some groundwork to have communication and, and a conversation and a relationship that does both, that 
upholds uh, their independence as well as um, your wisdom over their age to a certain degree. And so Paul's word is provoke. Don't parents don't provoke your children to anger. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a powerful injunction. Like a lot of what we do when when we're in the power position, we will do things that will provoke the response instead of giving respect, giving room for failure. Mm-hmm. We forget what it was like to be 15 and 16. Um, we forget what it to be 21. Mm-hmm. The, the, that feeling, and if you remember that, then it'll help you. And that that really the, gets to me mm-hmm. as a human being and as a father. Forget pastoral ministry and right. church life, but as a father trying to raise my children, this speaks to any one of their faith, whatever your faith conviction is. One of my primary jobs is to not provoke them yeah. because I'm playing the long game. Mm-hmm. Yes, When they're older, I want to still be in relationship. I don't right. want bitterness in them. Right. I don't want... But you, know, you being a Christ follower, you have those... Um, you have, you know, the Bible, and you have these things to go by that you, you know, um, if you do these things, that it's going to benefit your relationship with your girls yeah. later. You know, people that don't have this background and they don't have Christ in their lives, it's just, you know, you don't like my rules, get out. If the kids haven't been raised in a Christian home, then the kids are going out not non-Christians, and that, re- and unless God intervenes and saves the individual <coughs> to make them want to, you know, come back and have a relationship mm-hmm. with their parents. Mm-hmm. Those two, I mean, that relationship is pretty much re- gone. Well, you, you have them, the, the, even if the, you do have the restoration later, mm-hmm. an, an act of God, either personally or in the family, you still have those missing years. Sure, mm-hmm. absolutely. Those missing years of disconnection. Mm-hmm. And nobody mm-hmm. really wants that. I don't think no. anybody really wants no. that. Nope. Um, my, my, my wife, my bride, does a much better job of treating my children as adults than I do. Mm-hmm. I really, because I, Because they're your daughters. They're always four. Yeah. I love the age of four. Was like, that's the sweet spot. Yeah. Because when you're four, you know, let's play, let's play Batman. Yeah. You know. Um, Daddy. Yeah. But now grown up, uh, that's a different. It's hard. And finding that place of connection with them, because they're women, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they're not going to sit and watch, um, you know, the Astros <laughs> play baseball, <laughs> right. or they might. they're not going to they're not going to read SPQR with <laughs> me. Uh, but you know, those different aspects. They're they were their mom today in B Cave doing mm-hmm. fun things. So I also think though, this fathers don't provoke your children doesn't mean your kids always get their way though. No. And I think some people think, oh, I don't want to provoke my kids. I don't want to rock I the boat. Your kids. So you can provoke <laughs> my kids, that's fine. They probably need it. But um but it doesn't mean they get their way. It doesn't mean like, oh, you get to come in at one o'clock in the morning because that's what you think is good for you. Um yeah. I don't well, know. Discipline is important. Mm-hmm. And however you define that in your home. But I I have to balance that with wisdom which says I don't want to stunt them. Right. I don't want to uh, shunt their growth down. I want them to. <laughs> this sounds terrible. I can tell my child, don't stick the paperclip inside the electrical outlet. Because I know it's going to happen. But I also need to. Okay. We'll see. You can learn that when I tell mm-hmm. you something I mean, so mm-hmm. go ahead, stick it in there. Mm-hmm. See what happens. And then, you know. Please don't send me. <laughs> it's not abuse. It's just in some circles. We do. 
Sometimes you have to figure, it's they necessary. have to find their own. Yeah. Pro- not provoking is saying um, you have the freedom to completely mess this up. Yep. And then I'm going to help you put it back together again. But, but messing it up is an important part of growing up. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the lines, um, and, and it could just be my own nature, I picked up the message. And I think a lot of it had to do with how Christianity was presented to me was here's all the rules. Don't mess up. And that, and, and be afraid of God. And, and then what happens is you're always worried that you're going to get caught. And then when you do fail, you don't want to be honest about it because you, you feel shame. And so you learn to hide. I wish I had heard the message in my brain, it's okay to fail. Because, I mean, how do we mm-hmm. ultimately learn? We right. bake a cake, your new job, whatever. You do it wrong five times and you realize, oh, mm-hmm. this is how you Just do five? it. Just <laughs> five? And... and the message, it's okay to fail mm-hmm. right. as an adult, still scares me because I feel like I've lived my whole life being afraid to fail. Right. And so what you just said, as a, as a father, you know, as a, as a kid, knowing that you're given the freedom to try something and fail, and then if you mess it up, you can come say, hey, I messed it up, and you're not going to be punished or beat down or shamed. You're going to have someone say, okay, let's fix it together. That is more the relationship of God that I have learned as an adult to have or that he wants to have with us. Um, and that is so much more empowering and liberating and I think healthy. And better. And, and better, and better mm-hmm. yes. And, and and I think it, as parents, I know for me personally, you know, I set my expectations too high for my kids, you know. And, and instead of letting them fall and, you know, you know. Oh, I think we all can do that. Then mm-hmm. it's, and you don't want to break their spirit ever. But at the same time, I think that's partly what happens when we don't give them a chance to make mistakes and grow, mm-hmm. grow from that. Um, the, we all want to live vicariously through our children. Yes. And mm-hmm. to correct all the stuff we didn't do or, or do the things that we didn't do, right. you know. Yeah. Um, that's a big part of it. I think part of it, too, is as a parent saying, oh, my goodness, like, I messed that up. Mm-hmm. And being really honest with your kids about yeah. where you have failed. Right. Because until they see what, oh, this is what this is what failure looks like. This is what it looks like to, to not, you know, mm-hmm. make it or not, you know. Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that's such an important part. Because um, in telling them, like, like, this was wrong of me and... And not being afraid to apologize to That's the your child. Thing. Yeah, it's tough. That's ba- hard. Baby girl, daddy really messed I'm up. Yeah. <laughs> Please forgive. <laughs> Can you forgive me? I'm, I didn't mean to throw you into the ceiling fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that kind of messed up. Oh, I've done that to Chelsea twice. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Not once. My kid almost drowned, so, you know. <laughs> oh, the things, yeah. the things. He, they're good. They're still I wanted to talk a little bit about masters. We, we got so Daryl's fault on slaves. I never got to 4-1, which it says, you know, masters have a responsibility to treat their slaves justly and fairly. I just, I, I, we don't have time for it now, but you could launch into that. If masters are viewed as those people who are in control and power in the world, then one of their key jobs is to make sure that there is equity mm-hmm. and justice and fairness in the world. And go back to the, the riots in ancient Rome 
and the riots in Portland and, and all over the world today, mm-hmm. a lot of that is because there's a perception that it's not just mm-hmm. and it's not fair. And a lot of oh, powerful, wealthy people have their finger on the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, 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 that's what breeds uh, societal problems. But that's all we got. We don't have time to go into that. Uh, Joni, you want to read us out? Can you read us out today? I'll read us out. I think Misty read us out last time. I did. And I would add, as she's going to read this out, it'll talk about where you can find our podcast. We are on FMF. We are on Apple. We are also now on Spotify. I put that on Facebook today. We're so fancy. soon we will be on uh, Amazon Prime Music as soon as they unleash (gasps) their podcast. Well, that's great, but nobody listens to Amazon Prime. Just saying that one or two friends that you have. That, um, those are the same people that those you know. The there's, there's, <laughs> Kelly, thanks, Kelly. Those are, they're still, they're still watching movies on Betamax. So our five <laughs> listeners out there, if you know anybody who uses Prime, thank you, Daryl. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please like, share, and comment this podcast on your favorite social media platform. Every click matters. You can also visit our website at fmf.life. We'll be back next week with Bible Talk from Under the Water Tower. Signing off. See you later. Bye, everybody. Have a great rest of your life. Bye. See you next week. Peace next. Watch out for those masters. <laughs>